Good evening and thanks for joining us. Breaking news that could potentially save lives in this province with the government pledging to cover an expensive drug for patients with a rare disease. But it's still unclear if patients profiled right here on Global News will qualify for it. Keith Baldry has the details on this one. Keith, uh, late news today, good news in a way. This involves mm-hmm. the drug Solaris, a potential lifesaver for a young student at UBC. Yeah, 23-year-old Shante Anaquad is a student at UBC who's suddenly come down with the rare autoimmune disorder known as AHUS. Very rare and potentially very fatal. The question here is the need for her to be treated by a drug that costs a lot of money, $750,000 to fund the drug called Solaris. Uh, now, the uh, Adrian Dix, the uh, health minister, pledged last week to study this, review the situation. Today, he's weighed in with his verdict. For the first time ever, the special medical committee that determines which rare drug and expensive drugs can be used and covered under Pharmacare for the first time can now consider to use Solaris. So Shante could very well be in front of this committee very soon. Here's Adrian Dix at a late news conference this afternoon and a somewhat optimistic mother of Shante, Jennifer. We do very serious work on drugs that are approved only in very limited circumstances for rare diseases and usually in these cases very expensive. So, so essentially Solaris has its own addition to it. If there is some relief, it's still nerve-wracking waiting to know what's going on and not knowing the criteria that exactly what they're using. But it's um, it gives us it gives us hope where there really wasn't looking like there was any. News for them, of course, Keith. Given how rare AHUS is, what sort of cost mm-hmm. could the province be looking at uh, for coverage here? Well, we were told at Mr. Dix's news conference uh, that an average of two to four people come down with this disorder every year. So we're looking at a cost of one and a half million to three million dollars a year if those numbers are consistent. Keep that in mind in terms of context. We're fast approaching a 20 billion dollar health care system. So this is really a drop in the bucket. In any event, Mr. Dix made it very clear today that his government intends to fight the drug company here to bring down the cost of this drug. He says it's far more expensive here than it is in other jurisdictions, including the United Kingdom. So so that fight remains potentially some very good news here for Shantae and her family. Yeah, up to 20% more expensive in, in mm-hmm. some jurisdictions. All right, or then in some jurisdictions. Thanks very much, Keith. All right. Now we have breaking details about an attack in which the victim was knocked to the ground and sexually assaulted. It happened at around 8 last night in the Guildford area of Surrey. RCMP say the victim was followed when she got off the bus at 104th and 148th. Her screams caught the attention of nearby residents who scared away the suspect before police arrived. He's described as white, approximately 35 years old, with a medium build and wearing a black hoodie with the hood up. Well, after a brief reprieve from the onslaught of torrential weather, it's coming back with a vengeance. The heavy rain and wind we saw over the weekend caused a fair share of problems. As Aaron MacArthur reports, an approaching Pineapple Express means it's not over yet. Trying to get to Whistler on the weekend was interesting. Lots of people with the same idea and snow from Alice Lake all the way to the village creating its own share of problems. Sunday was a challenging day for drivers all across BC. The Coquihalla was paralyzed. But as Monday hit, the temperatures spiked. Rain crept higher up the mountains. Expect a lot more of it, too. By uh, tomorrow and into Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to have the Pineapple Express with a lot of very mild, very wet air and a very high freezing level. Sunday in the city marked by umbrellas and rain hoods. A typical November soaking. On the island, Highway 19A washed away by a plugged culvert. 
Crews forced to do an emergency patch job. The problem? Too much water. The last count we had was a 36-hour period of 145 millimeters of rain on top of a raising, uh, freezing level that, of course, melted off the snow. We probably had a meter and a half of snow up top, and that, along with the rainfall, just overwhelmed some of the culverts. Maybe it all seems about typical for this time of year. Rain, early season skiing, even traffic jams have stretched back three decades in Whistler Village. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on what we're in for this winter. We're going to see a La Nina, Christy. So what does that mean for us? That's right. So it's turning out to be a stronger La Nina, Sophie, which means below normal temperatures, but only for the east half of the province. The south coast could actually see near normal conditions. Meanwhile, who will see the most snow? Most likely the interior. The rest of the province, near normal snow. So good news for the south coast, for many on the south coast, that is. But keep in mind, this doesn't mean we won't see any snow. Winter tires are still a good idea. All right. Thanks for that, Christy. TransLink is asking for your feedback as it looks at scrapping the current fare model. And two options are now being considered. Reporter Tanya Bajan joins us with a look at what they are and how much commuters might have to pay. Tanya. Well, Chris, TransLink says the new options are a more fair approach to pricing. How much you pay depends on how far you travel. TransLink says it wants to even the playing field for travellers on public transit. Rather than a three-zone fare system, commuters may soon pay as they go. It does give uh, customers the benefit of not having to deal with zone boundaries and steep jumps in fares, but it does make your trip a little bit less predictable to to make. The Transportation Authority introducing two distance-based pricing plans. Option one, a flat fare for bus trips. Transit users will pay per station up to roughly 13 stations. It seems like the system would be more fair. With the zones, it just it's more simpler, I think. Less to think about. Option two, a lower base fare for both SkyTrain and buses, increasing until travelers reach 25 kilometers. I don't think it's fair to people who live far away from where they have to work. As long as it's the same price, it doesn't really matter to me. We will be keeping the maximum fare comparable to what a three-zone fare is today. In the first option, 20% of riders will pay more. In the second, 35%. For example, if you travel within one zone from the first station to the last, your fare will increase. So this is really going to help those people that are currently sitting on those zone boundaries. But if you're, say, going from Scott Road to New Westminster Station, you're going to see a savings right away. TransLink is looking for public feedback and depending on what they hear, they may move ahead with one option or scrap them all together. The final recommendations are expected in mid-2018. Chris and Sophie, back to you. All right, got to weigh in on the TransLink website for sure. Thanks, Tanya. Local body shop owners are disputing allegations that they're overbilling ICBC and therefore partly to blame for the corporation's financial problems. The president of BC's Aftermarket Automotive Association is hitting back tonight explaining why cheating the system is nearly impossible. Ted Trenecki reports. We all know vehicles are getting increasingly complex and expensive to repair. But for someone to suggest auto body shops are gaming the system, overbilling on repair work, well, that had to be answered to. And the Automotive Retailers Association was only too happy to do it. Considering the, uh, the uh, preferred status they get uh, through, the, uh, through their relationship with ICBC, 
no shop in BC would risk losing that status simply to bolster the odd uh, uh, invoice to ICBC. It just wouldn't happen. The status he's talking about is how select auto body shops earn the privilege of being part of ICBC's express claim program. That's where if the damage is estimated at less than a specific amount, be it $1,500 or $2,500, the repairs can be done immediately without waiting for ICBC approval. So all of that has been taken out of our hands and it's based on computer-based times that are set you click on the damaged portions of the vehicle, uh, you can either replace them or repair them. The only thing that we have control over is the judgment time on repaired panels. The problem claims the union is when a shop estimates that a repair job will take, say, 20 hours labor, but they end up completing the work in 10 hours, but still charge 20. The shops are able to bill um, the amount of hours they think is appropriate, and our staff are saying that's where the overbilling is happening. It's not something that we can just put 100 hours on and hope for the best. It's, it's, we have to justify the time that we're putting on these claims. The union representing ICBC workers also says it can't keep up with those audits, and many repair jobs go unchecked or checked too late after the vehicle is already fixed. And the auto body industry notes that less than a quarter of ICBC's payouts involve fixing damaged vehicles. The biggest expense by far is liability and fraudulent injury claims, and that's where the focus should be. Tetranaki Global News. Police called it a senseless death at the time, a minor altercation between strangers in a downtown Vancouver nightclub that escalated to the beating death of a 28-year-old woman. Well, today sentencing began for the woman who pled guilty to manslaughter. Grace Key was in court today and joins us now with what happened. Grace. Now, certainly an emotional day in court where victim impact statements were read and Crown asking for four and a half years behind bars. Samantha Doolin leaves court not knowing her fate until January. Ask to show the video and see the truth in it. What's the truth? Ask them to look at the video and see the truth. New details emerged into the beating death of 28-year-old Lauren McClellan at the Caprice nightclub in August 2016. It started with an incident while in line for the bathroom, eventually making its way outside. The Crown saying it was not a consensual fight, but Doolin handed a friend her purse, then followed McClellan outside, repeatedly punched her, pushed her to the ground, and then kicked her in the head. The assault lasted 25 seconds. McClellan died the next day. In July, Doolin pleaded guilty to assault. Crown is asking for four and a half years, defense will make a written submission. I'm afraid there's no satisfaction in, in any of this. Uh, to lose a life and have anything being proposed at the numbers we're talking about just doesn't seem anything logical. As much as I try to realize it's part of what's going on in law and in our circumstances today. And it's not going to bring Lauren back. So whatever the sentence is, at the end of the day, we've lost our daughter. The court also heard about Doolin's troubled past, a victim of abuse and her struggles with the use of alcohol. I do believe that forgiveness is something, but it's very, very difficult, and it's a very difficult time right now for us. All I can do is hope that she does get whatever help she needs. You're a f***ing fake, geek. The McClellans entered victim impact statements expressing the loss of their daughter. She was love. She had a tattoo on her arm that said love, and that was what she's about. And that's what we'll do to remember her. 
So now both sides will be back in court sometime in January. An exact date hasn't been set yet for the judge's decision. Chris? All right. Thanks very much, Grace. A Burnaby homeowner is wondering if she just got taken by unscrupulous realtors. After great feedback at her open house and several random inquiries from potential buyers, she was mystified when she heard there was only one offer. The surprising twist that has her wishing new protections were already in place in just over a minute. Billy Rose is the latest celebrity caught up in the Hollywood sex scandal. How he's responding to the bombshell allegations later. And a cameraman lines up the perfect shot to capture the epic Georgia Dome implosion, but it's proof the timing is everything. That's the wrong shot, but we'll get you the right one a little bit later. <laughs> we don't want to give it doesn't, away. Doesn't, it's not always perfect around here. Well, by March of next year, BC Realtors will no longer be able to double-end deals by representing both the seller and the buyer. It's an attempt to make sure that sellers and buyers have their best interests protected. But as John Waugh reports, a Burnaby woman claims the change came too late for her. I had people knocking on my door, begging, please let me inside your house, I want to see it. Lena Marinelli says when she listed her Burnaby home five months ago, it was a hotbed of interested buyers. Our first open house, we had 50 groups come through. It was, they're just, the traffic was incredible. But when the traffic only translated into one subpar offer, under asking with a six-month close, it raised Marinelli's suspicions. A lady, she knocked on my door. She said that her realtor was trying to get a hold of our realtor, that they wanted to uh, make an appointment to come and see our house, and there was no response. Despite eventually accepting the sole offer, Marinelli has filed a complaint with the Real Estate Council of B.C., she says she believes her selling agents were secretly representing the buyer as well. They use the word their investors a lot. When I kept asking about the buyers, I says, are you their agent? She said no. And I asked again and she said no. Either way, the selling agent still got the full commission and the contract listed the buyers as unrepresented, not a dual agency deal. The Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver says if proper disclosure rules are followed, there shouldn't be any confusion. It shouldn't be hard for a seller to know because, again, um, realtors must thoroughly disclose their relationship. If they are working for a seller and they bring a buyer to the property, they must disclose it. And to deal with some of the issues with dual agency, BC's superintendent of real estate is prohibiting the practice starting on March 15th of 2018. We want to make sure that we engage with our members so it's extremely clear by March 15th of the new scenarios they're working under. Marinelli's listing agent telling Global News she never represented the buyers. It's obvious to us that they were not working for us. A hard sell, says the former owner of this home, who hopes the dual agency rules makes it clear who realtors are working for. John Hua, Global News. Suspects in a prolific property crime spree have been arrested. Between August and October, Surrey RCMP's property crime target team began an investigation into several apartment complex break-and-enters where the suspects were targeting communal mailboxes and underground parking garages. Two suspects were identified through video surveillance footage and arrested in late October. 43-year-old Serena Goth and 36-year-old Calvin Cranmore both of Surrey are now facing a total of 157 property crime-related offences. Well, we found a, a combination of everything, but one thing that they were really interested in were identity-type documents. These documents would have allowed them to create fake uh, personas and then use those later for financial gain. Well, both the accused remain in custody right now, pending a bail hearing set for later this week.
You've undoubtedly seen and heard the ads. It might be Monday, but in many stores, it's already Black Friday. But is this relatively new Canadian retail sales event still delivering big bargains? Our Andrew joins us with more on that, Anne. Well, it really depends who you ask, Sophie. Thanks for that. Well, a few years ago, a strong Canadian dollar forced many Canadian retailers to put on their own Black Friday to prevent bargain hunters from crossing the border. But is the annual event still appealing to consumers here in Canada? Today, Black Friday sales are starting days, even weeks in advance. So it got us asking, is Black Friday even worth it? In the days leading up to Black Friday, no shortage of deals. The sales bonanza for the holiday season already in full swing, with major retailers offering discounts on a variety of items. Black Friday a few years ago was literally Friday and maybe the Saturday, Sunday. Now it's become almost a whole month of selling. This retail expert says he's seen a retrenchment from the actual Black Friday day. According to his research, 2016 saw the highest level of Canadians ignoring Black Friday entirely since 2012. So in terms of the luster of Black Friday, we're really seeing it get diffused from a focal point of a day to just holiday sales. Still, Black Friday is a significant day for Canadian retailers, which means those in the business of tracking bargains expect to see some decent price reductions. Retailers are, are um, you know, are trying to get on earlier and earlier, but you still will see some really good stuff on the actual day itself. Red Flag Deals, a bargain hunting website, is predicting discounts on Bluetooth accessories like headphones and speakers, smart home products like Google Home and Amazon Alexa, and 4K TVs. I think we might see a, a sub $500 50-inch uh, 4K TV for the first time this Black Friday. And in terms of finding better deals online or in-store? Companies like Amazon uh, that will have some really good deals. But there'll be some specific deals that are just in store. So it really depends what you're looking for. And, you know, do your research. Make sure you know what you're looking for and where to find it and see if the best deal is going to be online or in store. So again, there will be some door crasher deals this Friday. As for waiting for Boxing Day to find better deals, it really depends on what you're looking for. Boxing Day can bring deep discounts, especially when retailers are trying to get rid of inventory. Just keep in mind the item you want, especially if they're popular, may not be available when December 26 rolls around. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can reach me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thank you, Anne. BC's record-breaking wildfire season generated countless stories of courage, heroism, and generosity. Now, unfortunately, a story of scammers allegedly trying to profit from the disaster. Nitu Garcha reports on a Williams Lake homeowner getting a surprising call from the Red Cross. I would never have thought... You know, people would do this kind of stuff. After a summer full of surprises, including the mass exodus of the city he calls home, Williams Lake resident Nick Sardi definitely didn't expect the phone call he got. From the Red Cross, and they asked if I was housing over 20 people at our house. He wasn't housing anyone. That's when he says he was told by someone with the Red Cross that 20 people had used his home address to claim benefits like food vouchers and e-transfers meant for evacuees like him. And of course, I didn't recognize any of the names and uh, so I told her that and she said that she'll be going and looking after uh, to see if they can find those people. 
The soon-to-be retiree, who plans to move to Victoria with his wife, has listed his house for sale on Kijiji since February. My name is there, obviously, but uh, they registered under their own name as if they were living at that address. Sardi, who was evacuated for nearly two weeks in July, thinks fraudsters used his address after seeing the online listing. Wildfire evacuees registered with the Red Cross were eligible for a $600 per household payment that came from provincial funding. Once they returned home, evacuees were eligible for another $300 per household. People just try to get things for nothing, so that just doesn't seem right. And Sardi isn't alone in his frustration or his situation. I'm not surprised that it happened because it actually happened to me. Williams Lake Mayor Walt Cobb says he waited weeks and didn't get any Red Cross assistance when he phoned the organization to follow up. They said, no, well, why you haven't received it yet is because your address is under investigation. In a statement, the Red Cross said it can't confirm the alleged cases of fraud or whether any funds were paid out because of privacy and that these incidents are rare. Adding measures are in place to mitigate risks and it works closely with public authorities to ensure support is getting to those who need it most. This is fraud in its worst case. People abusing a system that was there to help people in need. Neetu Garcha, Global News. 20 seconds. So the countdown had begun to this morning's implosion of the iconic Georgia Dome and a Weather Channel camera was positioned to broadcast it live. What could go wrong? Well, he should have been on the other side of the street. A bus stops right in front of the camera at precisely the wrong time. The cameraman's reaction is priceless. Just get out of the bus! Poor guy. And right on cue, the bus pulls away when it's all over. Now here's what it looked like without a bus in the way. Timed explosions went off without a hitch and the dome collapsed in 12 seconds. The Georgia Dome was completed in 1992. It was home to the NFL's Atlanta Falcons until this year. The building has hosted the Olympics, the Super Bowl, the Final Four. It'll be replaced by a hotel, parking, and green space now that the Falcons play in Mercedes-Benz Arena. Well, the growing sexual harassment scandal in the entertainment industry has yet another veteran broadcaster in trouble. Both CBS and PBS have suspended Charlie Rose following a Washington Post article that details allegations from eight women. The eight women, according to the Washington Post, were either employees of the Charlie Rose Show from the late 1990s to 2011 or aspired to work for him there. Rose, suspended late today by CBS News, is 75. He co-hosts CBS This Morning and has been a contributing correspondent for 60 Minutes for nearly a decade. The Bureau is also expanding its presence overseas. to The women who spoke to the Post worked for Charlie Rose, Inc., not CBS or PBS, where his interview show airs, or Bloomberg, where it's taped and rebroadcast. The allegations in the Washington Post article include Rose making unwanted sexual advances in the form of lewd phone calls, groping, and walking around naked in front of the women. Five described Rose, who Time magazine named one of its 100 most influential people in 2014, putting his hand on their legs to test the reaction. Two said while working for him at his home or while traveling on business with him, he came out of the shower walking naked in front of them. Rose told the Post in a statement, quote, I deeply apologize for my inappropriate behavior. I am greatly embarrassed. 
I have behaved insensitively at times, and I accept responsibility for that, though I do not believe that all of these allegations are accurate. This evening, PBS and Bloomberg suspended distribution of his program. In a statement, CBS News said Charlie Rose is suspended immediately while we look into this matter. These allegations are extremely disturbing, and we take them seriously. Jim Axelrod, CBS News, New York. And organizers of the high-profile TED conferences say two men have been banned from any future events because of complaints of sexual harassment. Five women came forward to say they were sexually harassed or subjected to aggressive behavior at the Vancouver conference back in April. Organizers say they investigated and determined that two men were the source of the complaints and both have been banned from any future TED events. Their names have not been released. An off-duty police officer from Brazil is being hailed as a hero for taking on two suspected armed robbers while holding his child. Surveillance video shows the officer firing on the suspects with his young son in his arms. He'd been shopping with his wife, who at one point, you'll see, reaches out so he can hand their child to her. Both suspects were killed. The officer and his wife and son were unhurt. Also caught on video, a close call in Florida where a small plane tried to make an emergency landing on a road. The aircraft was having engine trouble, clipping a tree on the way down and crashing into a ditch. The pilot and passenger walked away unharmed and no other injuries were reported. In Health Matters tonight, new Canadian 24-hour movement guidelines say only 13% of preschoolers are getting the right amount of daily activity. The main reason for the lack of movement, probably not a huge surprise, screen time. Infants under the age of one should be active several times a day through floor-based play. For babies too young to move on their own, that means 30 minutes of tummy time spread throughout the day. For those under the age of two, no screen time is recommended. Toddlers and preschoolers should spend three hours a day being active. 60 minutes of that should be energetic play, described as running or dancing, playing outside and exploring. Kids between the ages of two and four should have no more than one hour of screen time per day. It's dramatic. (laughs) I can't see it enough. Okay, let's check in with Christy right now. Uh, Could be some dramatic changes coming in the weather. Yeah, so we were anticipating... uh winter like last year, but it looks like that's not going to be the case. As I mentioned earlier, near normal conditions now for the South Coast because La Nina has strengthened. It's more of a classic scenario. The colder and snowier conditions will be in the interior, but I want to mention for those of you on the South Coast, that doesn't mean we're not going to see any snow at all. It just means that we're not going to see above average snowfall this year. So make sure you're prepared still for snow on the roads. And the winter is not expected to be as severe or as long, even for the interior. It looks like La Nina may ease off in March, and uh, we may be returning to sort of a normal scenario, whereas last year it seemed like the week La Nina just continued on well into spring, and it was a long winter, but that shouldn't be the case this year. So a couple of little points there I wanted to mention. Meanwhile, we've got another storm on deck. The rain is expected to develop through the morning hours, so if you're headed out early tomorrow morning, you may miss it, maybe just a few showers. It'll pick up intensity through the morning 
remaining hours. How much rain? Well, 150 millimeters over the next three days. Here's the reason why. We've got a bit of a Pineapple Express on the way, and it's just about to push in. That means milder conditions over the next little while. The rain, not as consistently heavy as what we saw on Sunday, but we will certainly see some periods of heavier rain at times. It'll be on and off over the next three days. And as I mentioned, milder as well. So that milder air will shift through the north. And that means there's a risk of freezing rain in areas like Terrace, Smithers and Prince George. It's because we've got that cold air down below and the warm air rides up and over it. So a transition to to rain and then that risk of freezing rain during that transition. Same for these areas. So it'll happen later tomorrow afternoon. Meanwhile, most of these areas to the south just talking about rain. And that means that snow level is going to climb as well. Tomorrow on the mountain passes like the Coquihalla and Allison Pass, just rain, and that will be the case for the next three days. South Coast regions, it will be mild tomorrow, but in particular, it will be mild on Thursday, sorry, Wednesday and Thursday with highs of 13 and 12 degrees. So a lot of rain over the next three days. Happy birthday to Rosella Harrod. She turned 101 today and a couple very important uh, anniversaries today. Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip celebrating 70 years together, and they're sharing that with Elsie and Bob Cruikshank. So congratulations to you all. And a stunning shot from Haida Gwaii. Thanks to Myra Russ for that one. All right. Thanks, Christy. A close call that could have been a tragedy in Texas when police officers stopped to help some stranded drivers. Five people, including three officers, are standing by the side of the road when they're suddenly forced to scramble for their lives. Take a look. That crash was a drunk driver sideswiping the patrol car, narrowly missing everyone. At one point, one officer actually pulls his gun, but instead has to jump out of the way. The driver did slow to a stop a short distance away, and miraculously, no one was hurt. Wow. Probably Yikes. Thought that the guy was driving, like deliberately driving yeah. straight for them. Right. It, it would have felt that way Hence. for sure. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. gun. Hence the gun. Mm-hmm. Guys had Oak Ridge the other day, and they already had Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, really? And I Taking was, pictures with yes. little children? I think so. I was going to oh, line up. I know a number of people <laughs> that put up their Christmas tree this Me past too. weekend. Really? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Seems soon. I, Not even U.S. Thanksgiving yet. I know somebody <laughs> who put up their Christmas tree November 12th. Wow. Well, they win. Well, I'm sure of it. I don't know what they win, though. <laughs> Did they put up their Christmas tree on November 12th, or was it the Christmas tree left over from last year, and they just put the lights back on it? I've known people who've done that. I know. Go ahead, mention it. Touched Touched. by an angel. Who was the idiot that wrote Saved by the Bell in that previous tease? (laughs) You got Saved by the Bell and Touched by an Angel all mixed up? Wow. That's right. Touched by an Angel (laughs) starring Della Reese. Right. Sorry. Saved by the Bell. Sorry. (laughs) Not starring Della Reese. (laughs) I knew there was something else by right. You knew it. Okay. Okay, Okay, take it away. All right. Uh, Anton Rodin is no longer a Vancouver Canuck. He was given his release today after he asked the Canucks to do that. Now, some of you might be thinking, Anton who? Which is understandable, even though he has been with the Canucks organization since he was drafted in 2009, and Vancouver had big hopes for him when they drafted him. He was one of those guys who could never stay healthy. Some athletes have that kind of bad luck, and sadly, When he finally became healthy, the Canucks were enamored with younger players and no longer him. He's only played three regular season games for the Canucks. That was last year. Most of his career 
has either been in Sweden or the minors. He was in Utica this season, one goal in seven games. Most of his injury issues have been with his knee. He was given a new one-year contract in July, but once he didn't make the roster at a training camp this year, he pretty much knew he had no future with the Canucks. And he asked them, release me so I can go back and play in Europe. And the Canucks have called up defenseman Philip Holm from the minors. They sent Patrick Weirkoch the other way. Holm was with the Canucks in the preseason. In Utica, he's been very good offensively, 10 points in 15 games. Not so good defensively. He's been a minus five down there, but he is with the Canucks. We'll see if he gets in on this six-game road trip. All right, tonight, Flames on the road in Washington. There's Sean Monaghan. It's 1-0 for Washington. Now it's Johnny Hockey's turn. Johnny Gaudreau scores. He just keeps on rolling. Flames got some good young ones. Monaghan, Gaudreau. Got to throw the puck around here. Michael Backlund on the power play. Flames win it 4-1 against the Capitals. Well, we are still waiting to hear what Wally Buono's future will be with the BC Lions. David Braley was apparently in town last week, met with Wally. Now, Braley has said he will stay on as a Lions owner for next year at least, and you would think that he'd want Wally to run the team for him at least one more year, at least as a GM, if not once again the head coach. But since this is Grey Cup week, Wally Buono and the Lions are going to hold off on any announcement about his future in order to keep all the attention on this Sunday's game. And by the way, Stampeders right now, seven-point favorites over the Argonauts. Michael Bennett, Pete Carroll, and the Seahawks found themselves one-point underdogs at home going into this game against the Falcons. Mohamed Sanu from Matt Ryan, and it's 14-0 for Atlanta in the first quarter in Seattle. You know the Seahawks are the best team ever on Monday Night Football? Best win percentage, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Graham touchdown there to make it 14-7. Hey, Richard Sherman's now one of the 12 since he's hurt for the rest of the year. But Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, balls on the carpet. Adrian Claiborne, touchdown. Seahawks have gotten back in it, though. It's 21-7 Atlanta in the second quarter. Well, the word all-around athlete definitely applies to West Vancouver's Georgia Simmerling. She has excelled in three different sports and probably a few more that we don't know about. She's been an Olympic-class cyclist, alpine skier, and ski cross racer. She's been in the 2010, 2014, and 2016 games, two of those winter, one summer. And she wants to be in South Korea for next year's Winter Olympics as well. And it does feel a little bit like Groundhog Day, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, it does feel like I went through this um, not so long ago, which it was. Groundhog Day for Georgia Simmerling is more like an Olympic time warp, as once again Georgia's put the wheels in motion of competing in another Olympics. It's pretty much all she's done the last decade. Last summer in Rio, she made history, becoming the first Canadian athlete to compete in three different sports at three Olympic Games, winning bronze on the bike and women's team pursuit. I think that's one of the coolest things about the Olympics, actually, is, is learning other, um, other athletes' events and, you know, getting, like, the inside dirt about, uh, yeah, like, their sport. Returning to the ski hill is a return to Georgia's athletic roots. Well before she was winning World Cup medals in ski cross, she cut her downhill teeth up on Grouse Mountain. Skiing alongside a Canadian national team member, she was in awe. But it made Georgia dream big. She's chased that dream into two winter and one summer Olympic Games with a fourth Olympic appearance, this time back on skis, just months away. 
it's a challenge. I think what's 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 um, beneficial and and uh, rewarding is um, you know having the best teammates in the world, the, the the best competitors in the world as my teammates. That to me, that I'm lucky to have those girls. Like you know, you could see it a different way, but I learn from the best. Uh, we're the best nation in the in the world, and um, I feel like I have a long way to go, but. I, I, you know, I, I, I got myself on the podium a couple times last year, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to not play catch up entering next, next season. I feel like all my cards might be just played perfectly. Okay, we have time for this. Mikhail Burden is a Winnipeg Jets goaltending prospect playing for the Sioux Falls Stampede. Scores the goalie goal in the empty net. Then he wants to really celebrate like a player. Goes to the uh, players on the bench, does the uh, hand slap thing. He's not done yet. You know, acknowledges the crowd. Wait a minute, he's got one more move. It's the dance move. That's right. That's right, I'm a goal scorer too. Check this out. Doing a little dance. You'll love it when a player feels it. Yeah, I know. He may never feel it again, so he might as well do it right now. Uh, I think I said 21-7. 21-17, Atlanta over Seahawks. There you go, second quarter. Night of corrections for all of us. Here's Andrea now with a preview of Global News at 11. Anne? Thanks, Chris. And we'll have the very latest on the health minister's announcement that the province will pay for the life-saving drug Solaris in some cases, including reaction from a desperate patient's mother. Plus, looking to catch a Canucks game but can't afford the ticket prices? Do we have a deal for you? Cheap seats for under $10 each, but there's a catch. We'll have all the details when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. All right. Thanks, Anne. 200 centimeters, grouse about 120, cypress 110, and Sasquatch opening soon. Into the BC interior, Revelstoke and Manning Park opening December 2nd, Mount Washington December 8th, Powder King a base of 160 centimeters. Big White and Silver Star opening November 23rd, Apex December 2nd, Sun Peaks enjoying a base of 84 centimeters. Coming up on ET Canada, the future of Transparent now that its star Jeffrey Tambor is stepping aside. Plus, Carlos is in China with all the Victoria's Secret angels. And then it's Noel Gallagher and me. And yes, I ask him about his never-ending feud with his brother Liam. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, thank you very much. Well, for a generation, he was the personification and the face of evil. And that's why the news that Charles Manson died Sunday at the age of 83 still resonates tonight. Yeah, the small consolation for the families of his victims is that Manson lived most of his life and died behind bars. Let me say this to you. With a swastika on his forehead and eyes wild with violence, Charles Manson was the face of evil. I'd take this book and beat you to death with it, and I wouldn't feel a thing. It'd be just like walking to the drugstore. And tonight, as news of Manson's death spreads, we're learning that up until his dying days, Manson continued to have support from followers outside of prison walls. He was selling autographs in jail. Yes. Manson threatened to kill prosecutor Stephen Kay three times. And decades after the murders, Kay says Manson was still receiving fan mail and requests to join his cult. Devil worshippers in the United States uh, view him as the devil incarnate. It's a, it's At the root of play, Manson's depravity, his plan to spark a race war in 1969 with the murders of seven people. Among those killed, actress Sharon Tate, the pregnant wife of director Roman Polanski. Today, her sister Deborah Tate says she was expecting Manson's death, but still worries about the other Manson killers in prison trying to get out on parole. I consider them extremely dangerous. You know, I get 
several death threats every single parole hearing. They are all shock callers and can implement horror at any given moment. One of them, Leslie Van Houten. She's been recommended for release, the decision now up to California's governor. But the man who claimed to be the devil and made claims of immortality is finally dead at age 83. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News, Los Angeles. Meantime, we're also marking the passing of someone who made the world a better place. Her career began when she was 13 years old, but she found her greatest success many years later. And you walk down the road. Della Reese, who played the wise angel in the long-running drama... What is it called? Touched by an angel, for those of you who don't know. Has passed away at the age of 86. She also sang that theme song. Her series co-star, Roma Downey, says Reese died peacefully in her L.A. home. Before Touched by an Angel debuted in 1994, Reese was mainly known as a singer, although she had co-starred on TV shows like Chico and the Man and appeared in many movies. She also guest-hosted The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Reese is survived by her husband and three children. Was Screech in Touched by an Angel? I don't, don't say it. But no. <laughs> Look, I, I wrote earlier, if you missed it, I wrote Saved, saved by an Angel. Saved by an Angel. Mm. Because you had saved conflating right. two shows. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> save me. She she would forgive you because she's an angel. So. Yeah. That's right. right. Touched by an angel. Very good that way. All right. Final word on the Can't way? save you from the rain, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, so another rainfall warning in effect, 150 millimeters over the next three days. It'll develop through the morning hours tomorrow, right during your commute.